today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith These things are vanities, useless. They can all go up in a puff of smoke. So don't conform to the past. You're a new creation in Christ. You've been born again. You've been changed on the inside. But conform to the Lord. In the biblical text, he says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our heads and As a new creation, born again into the body of Christ, your old self is now in the rearview mirror. There is a beautiful but challenging road ahead as a believer in an unbelieving world. There are times when the things of our old life will seem appealing. They might appear easier or more comfortable than the life we're called to. But as Pastor Ed challenges us in today's message, we need to leave the indulgences of our sinful life behind and live abundantly in the freedom that Christ has given us. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith Don't be caught up in this present life that you forget eternal life. Don't let the things of this life intoxicate you so that you fail to think clearly. In 1 Peter 4, 7, it says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. One of the ways that we are sober-minded is that we think biblically when we pray. We think God's thoughts as we meditate and take the scripture and that forms part of our prayer and part of our intercession. In 1 Peter 5, 8, such an important verse. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Notice, be sober-minded. Because if you're not... The enemy who goes around like a roaring lion will capture and tear you apart. Most battlefields happen in the realm of the mind. Satan attacks our mind, attacks our thoughts, and then gets to our emotions. And what Peter is saying, keep your eyes focused on the coming of Christ. Keep your eyes focused focused on the day when he will be revealed and the grace of God you'll receive then. Man, it was great on Calvary. And thank God for the cross. We wouldn't be in the kingdom if it weren't for the cross. But all along the journey, God is showing us the effects of that cross. And the culmination of it will be when he comes back and he embraces his people for all eternity. So he says, you have to have a disciplined mindset, but there's something else. A hopeful mindset. Now, it's interesting. It's in the imperative when it states, set your hope fully. It's a command. He commands us to set our hope on the Lord. 
to set our hope on the coming of Christ. Now, we could set our hope on a lot of things. We think of some goal we have in life. We think, perhaps, of uh, an investment we may have. We think of a dream vacation, or we think of some special occasion, and we set our hope on that. Uh, that confidence is, is not a well-placed confidence. He said, set your hope on the coming of the Lord. And notice how he says it, set it fully, not partially. Amen. So don't have a divided heart. Uh, say, oh, I'm going to set my hope over here. I'm going to set it over here. Okay, uh, i got to make have fire insurance for heaven so I get there and, and so you, you wind up dividing your heart he says no no put everything you have into one basket live this life recognizing that Jesus Christ is coming back live this life so that what guides you what drives you what directs you is that Jesus Christ will one day return and eternity will begin it's an exciting thing when you think about it. So set your hope fully on the grace that's going to be given to you when Christ returns. That's how you respond to the grace given. God is saying, respond. You're a debtor to grace. How do you respond? Set your heart. Expect the return of Christ, a future grace that's going to be given to you. And so make sure that you're thinking clearly. You're not intoxicated with the world. And your thinking is focused on the return of Christ. Then he goes on. And he said, you're a debtor to grace. Here's how. Reflect. Reflect on the holiness of God. Live a life reflecting thinking about the holiness of God. In verses 14 to 16, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Notice the text. As obedient children, don't conform to what? Your old life. Your old life was driven by desire. And those were earthly, worldly desires. He said, don't conform to the past. There should be a big difference between B.C., before we met Christ, and today. Our lives should be different, progressing in holiness. There should be an incredible difference between you and your neighbors if they're unsaved. See, they can talk in ways you can't talk. They can think about things that you can't think about. They can go to places you don't go. They can do things that you don't do. Because you know that one day Christ is returning and you're preparing for His return. There's a difference. And these... These things are vanities, useless. They can all go up in a puff of smoke. So don't conform to the past. You're a new creation in Christ. You've been born again. You've been changed on the inside. But conform to the Lord. In the biblical text, he says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you 
do. Mm. This verse is quoted by Peter, taken right out of the book of Leviticus. It's God speaking to the people and says, be holy because I'm holy. What does it mean to be holy? Well, some of the things that reflect that, and especially it's what is God like? God is truthful and kind and honest and righteous. He's good. The character of God should be mirrored in his children. Like father, like yeah. Or his sons and daughters. And that reflection ought to be in your life and in my life. We ought to mirror what God is like. And so that's what he's saying. But often we're like the Israelites. We go through a cycle. It's found, it's evident in the book of Judges. You see that the people stray from God and then they sin. And then God sends judgment. And then they cry out to God for deliverance, and God delivers them. And then they're happy, and they're doing okay. But then they forget God again, and they sin. And the cycle begins all over again. That's part of the fallen nature that we have to fight and work against. We don't want to fall into those patterns. And that's what he's saying. Focus on the holiness of God. Be like God. Be like God. For God is holy. Be holy. Oftentimes, I think that people never wake up to the truth that the reason for their suffering, the reason that they're traveling around in this barren wilderness of emptiness and vanity is because they're not focused on the Lord. They just keep on walking around in this desert of experience. And God is calling us to holiness. You don't come to church on Sunday and say, one day for the Lord, and the other six days you live for yourself. Nor do you say, okay, I'm gonna, I've been serving the Lord for a while now, I'm going to take a spiritual vacation. Someone has said, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. You respond to the grace of God. You respond to God's wonderful gift of salvation by setting your heart on the holiness of God and following that, wanting to be holy, letting your life reflect His holiness. Then, Peter gives us even another way to demonstrate how we should respond to God's grace. Live in reverent fear of the judgment of God. Now, this is where Christians really need to camp out, especially Christians in our culture. Because we live in a culture of indulgence. We live in a culture that has written off the holiness and the justice of God so that we think, well, we can do whatever we want. It's not true. Look at the text. It talks about God being an impartial judge, an impartial judge. In verse 17, Since you call on the Father 
who judges each man's work, how? Impartially. That's the first sub-point. Impartially. When God looks at us, he's not going to say, well, they've been in the church for many years. They're really, really nice people. I'm going to overlook this. They've been gossiping. They've been hurting people. Uh, they've been lustful. Uh, a little, that's not too bad. They've been mean-spirited. They've been, well, you, you fill it out. Look at the seven deadly sins. Look at the Sermon on the Mount. God doesn't say, okay, I'm going to make an exception for them. He is an impartial judge. What counts for you, counts for her, counts for him, counts for me, counts for all of us. He is an impartial judge. The portrait we have of God. We have some wonderful portraits in the gallery of our mind. We could see God as a shepherd. That's a beautiful portrait. The Lord holding the sheep in his hands, arms. God as uh, the one walking on the Emmaus Road in our doubts and fears. Uh, the, the portrait of Jesus calming the stormy sea or dying for our sins. But there's another portrait that you need to hang up in the gallery of your mind. He is a judge. And he is going to be impartial. He is going to be impartial. Picture with me. It's, it's the judgment seat. Now, don't confuse the white throne ju- judgment with the judgment that Christians will face. The white throne judgment is at the end of time. Every born-again Christian who's accepted Christ will have their names written in the Lamb's book of life. But then there is a judgment for believers, for you, for me, for those who have accepted Christ. And God will judge us by the way we've lived our lives. Someone comes, I could picture it now. I'm going to be in good shape. They have an idea they're going before the Lord for judgment. And they said, I have this tractor trailer of good works. I've given to the church, I volunteered here, I've done this and I've done that. And all these tractor trailer comes, and then, well, Lord, look, I'm okay. And God said, okay, let's put it to the test. He lights the fire. And it's discovered that that's wood, hay, and stubble. And all the good works are left in ashes. And that person is saved, the Bible says, as by fire. The Christian church is to recognize that God is not so much serving us. Now, he does help us and bless us and care for us. But really, we're here to serve him. And I think many times we get it the wrong way. And we picture God as our servant, serving our whims, our needs, our particular agenda. No, 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 no. 
God is an impartial judge and he's going to judge the motivations of our heart. He's going to judge what we have done, what we have said. I am absolutely amazed sometimes at how some Christians talk and live and they think they got a free pass. I warn you now, that is not the case. That is not the case. The Bible says that God looks at the heart and he judges us by what's inside of us. God help us. I think about this Tour de France. Seven in a row victories for Lance Armstrong. But because he was doping, he lost them all. There's a lot of people that when they stand before God, they're going to be surprised. God's going to say, well, why did you do that? Why did you live that way? You've been forgiven, yes. But how have you lived your life? I know that the Lord has said to some of you, stop it. I know that. I feel it in the spirit even now. And you have pushed the limits. And you just have not listened. God loves you. And he'll discipline you. Because he wants to see you make it. But I tell you. Unless there are fruits of repentance in a godly life. There has to be a godly fear deep inside of us. And that's what he goes on to say. Our response is reverent fear, a deep sense of respect and awe. You are standing not in the presence of some earthly king or president or official. You are standing in the presence of Almighty God who spoke the worlds into existence. How dare, how dare we not take his word seriously. That we simply think we could hold on to sin and do it our way and think that there will not be a day, a moment when we stand before God and will be saved, yes, but by as fire. We're told that the fear of God is one of the most important things. And I pray for that for my own life. I pray for that for my family. I pray for that for the church. Jeremiah said in chapter 32, verse 40, And I will put the fear of me in their hearts, that they may not turn from me. Jeremiah 32, 40. There's a powerful passage of Scripture. God put the fear of God in our hearts. God grant us that. I think of Colossians 3.24. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. And the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites who can get away with evil. Now this isn't so much a shouting message as a searching message. But it's better to be warned and prepared than to be ignorant and stand before God and find out. And, oh Lord, 
We're told by Peter, and he is telling us, God will judge us. Have a reverent fear. Walk softly in his presence. Be careful what comes out of your mouth. Be careful what you think. Be careful how you live. Be careful what you do. Christians are to be different than the world. And then, finally, live in response to what it cost God for our salvation. In verses 18 and 19, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from an empty way of life, handed down from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, the Lamb without blemish or defect. What this passage is telling us, it costs God more to save you than to create you. For when he created you, he just spoke you into existence. But when he saved you, he redeemed you. When he took you out of the darkness, when he died, he died for all of your sins. See, it wouldn't have been enough if a good prophet died for us. That would have never bought our salvation. It wouldn't be enough if we took all of the gold and the silver of this world and tried to redeem one soul. It would never have accomplished redemption. It wouldn't be enough if Michael or Gabriel, the angels, would have come down on the cross. If a legion of angels would have died across us uh, all along Mount Calvary. There was only one price that would satisfy and purchase our redemption. That was the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. He died for our sins. And what Peter is saying, when you are tempted to do the wrong thing, to say the wrong thing, to go in the wrong direction, when you are tempted by the tempter, Start thinking about what it costs God to save you, to deliver you, to keep you from sin. Remember, it cost him greatly. There's the old hymn that said, He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the spouse clean. His blood availed For me, God's blood was poured out on Calvary's cross to redeem us, to save us. Don't despise it. Don't turn from it. But value it and remember that God gave his best. What are we giving him? What are we giving him? It can't be leftovers. It can't be walking through life in a stupor, intoxicated with the world, so that we wind up thinking this is it, when this is just a prelude, when this is just a moment, when eternity is ahead. What's more important than anything else is your relationship with God. We're so glad you joined us today for another edition of Building in Faith as Dr. Edward Jones teaches through the book of 1 Peter. We hope that this message series will open your eyes to the truth of how Jesus can impact your everyday life through the highs and lows, 
the triumphs and the trials. If you have yet to discover just how wonderful this life with Jesus can be, we'd love to tell you more. A relationship with Jesus is the greatest relationship you will ever have. Please feel free to get in contact with us by calling 845-462-5955. If you'd like to learn more about the Building in Faith radio ministry or to hear more messages from Pastor Ed, visit our website at buildinginfaithradio.com. There, you'll also find more information about Pastor Ed and the other staff members of Faith Assembly. Our church has weekly services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and again on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And we'd be honored to have you join us if you're in the Poughkeepsie area. Each service is spent fellowshipping with other believers, learning more about our Savior, and praising Him for all He has done for us. Location information can be found at our website, buildinginfaithradio.com. We hope today's message has blessed you and that no matter what is happening in your life right now, you're turning to Jesus for the love and guidance you need. Please join us next time on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed continues teaching through the book of 1 Peter. Your word restores and heals, transforms, rebuilds, and it makes a way that we can be building in faith. Everybody wins when a leader gets better. Absolutely everyone. The stakes of leadership are sky high. Everyone has influence. Come to the Global Leadership Summit on August 10th and 11th and learn skills to help you lead transformation in your community. The summit features leaders like Bill Hybels, Sheryl Sandberg, Andy Stanley, and more. Experience the summit at Faith Assembly Casper Kill Campus, Poughkeepsie, August 10th and 11th. Register at willowcreek.com summit and use the priority code radio, willowcreek.com summit.